Well, good morning, 1030 people at Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. I was the pastor at 9 o'clock and the pastor at 1030 as well. We may not have met yet, but I'm really glad that you are engaging. A lot of you are live and, and others of you are live streaming. And I know for a fact, because it always happens, some of you are live streaming to figure out, well, should I show up live? And, and we, we really hope that you do and that you will. So However you're connected today, I'm glad to connect back with you. Uh, this is the third week of this series, Re, all about how you can begin your life again and again and again, that God is a God of Re. A couple weeks ago, it was Rethink. Last week, it was Renew. And this, this week, it is Recreate. And to help us uh, lean into what it means to, not, it's not recreate, it's recreate. And to help us lean into that, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to locate just a verse and a half today. Uh, the, book, the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 17 and the first part of verse 18. So if your Bible looks like mine, go ahead and find that in your Bible. If your Bible is loaded on your phone, uh, you can find it, scroll that way as well. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. You may not know that the Bible is not a book and it is a library, that's a fact. And the book of 2 Corinthians is actually not really a book, it's a letter, a letter to a church, and I'll let you know a little bit more about that in the, in the moments to come. So 2 Corinthians is really in what we would call the correspondence section of the biblical library. And, and again, that may all be new to you, we, we love the whole thing, the whole Bible at Good Shepherd. You may not yet. You may have questions about it. We just want you to know we love the Scripture. We don't worship it, but we love it. And we love the Scripture because loving the Scripture helps us adore the Savior. And we do worship Him. And so, again, you may not be at that place in your life yet. We just like having that sort of clarity and, and letting you know what kind of church we are. And out of our love for Scripture, we have a custom at this place when we talk. Some of you beat me to it. When we talk about the Bible, we lift it up. And, and again, if you're new and there's Bibles in the air and phones in the air and you're like, well, this is unusual. It is. We admit it. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we are a collection of kind of weird people or a collection of people who don't have life figured out. And a lot of us have learned that from hard experience. Amen. We don't life have life figured out. We know who does because we know who does. We're glad to surrender to his authority. Amen. Before I say anything else, we're going we're gonna to pray. And I'm not, uh, you may not know this as well, but in the room to my right, your left, the living room, we have over 150 people at Good Shepherd Espanol under the leadership of Pastor Sammy Gonzalez. And so as uh, uh, we pray for this message and this gathering, we're going to pray for them and for Pastor Sammy as well, because he's fixing to talk about recreate in Espanol as well. So let's pray. God, thank you for the goodness of your word and thank you for the gathering that you have brought to the intersection of Highway 49 and Moss Road and, and for people listening in in English, everyone within the sound of my voice, open their hearts and their minds to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. And would you do 
the same for our good shepherd Espanol, and we pray a special anointing on Pastor Sammy that he would in these moments feel your goodness, radiate your love to that community. Do the same with me now, Lord, because I am utterly powerless without you. But because of you, I'm never helpless. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, not to uh, overpromise and underdeliver, because I really don't like that when, when people way overpromise and way underdeliver. So not to do that, not, not the risk of overpromising and underdelivering about this message I'm getting ready to give. Having said that, I really think that what I'm getting ready to tell you for a few minutes, combined with what you're going to have an opportunity to become part of, has the potential to lead to real breakthrough in your life. Isn't that great? That I'm not under-promising and over-promising, under I think that you, if you put into practice these things that we're going to offer and the things that I'm going to be talking about, you're going to have real breakthrough and not, get this, not the kind of real breakthrough where zap, you're all better and that's it. Woo, that was great. I'm all Because I mostly don't believe breakthrough happens that way. But breakthrough instead of the kind that will alter your thinking and change your perspective so that you can enter into this lifelong process of wholeness and healing. So isn't that great? A, a breakthrough in time, like what happens today at church, that leads to a breakthrough in living what's going to happen in your life tomorrow and, and the day after and on into the months and years to come. And, and I say all that. Not to overpromise and underdeliver, but to promise a little bit of breakthrough. Because I here's something I know about you. 90% of you, you got issues. <laughs> and, and the 10% who think you don't got issue, A, you're lying. B, you really do have issues. It's just that one of them is self-awareness and you don't have any self-awareness. <laughs> Three, you think you don't have issues, but everybody who loves you, they know, well, they got issues. Or four, let's say there's a minute percentage of you and you got all life figured out. You don't have any issues at all you have to deal with. Someone that you love does. So that covers us all. We are a people. There's a lot of people here today. We got issues. And in fact, part of the reason that you come to church Part of the reason that you want to explore faith is because you want that issue fixed and dealt with. I, I've learned in my time of, of being a pastor that it is relatively rare, like almost impossible, that someone just wanders into church and they got, I got life figured out. I just decided I wanted to love Jesus more. That almost never happens. Instead, people come to church, get interested in faith because they, they, they've heard, they, they realize something is, not, something is not right with their lives and they've heard that the Lord might be able to fix it. And so here they are, here you are for some of you, that, that issue that you got, it's that temper and you keep losing it and you want to learn how to control it. For the sake of the people who love you when they're not scared of you. 
And for others of you, it's not the temper, but it is those self-destructive thoughts that seem to come out of absolutely nowhere, that life is going along fine, and then, whoa, all of a sudden, you, you have these really dangerous thoughts about ending your life or about engaging in self-destructive behavior so that someone will pay attention to you. And then for others of you, it's, it more has to, the issues you got have more have to do with relationships and your inability to keep them. You have a lot more former friends than you have current friends. You even have a former family or two, and you give anything for the ability and the opportunity to have healthy relationships. And then, yeah, yeah, for others of you, the issues that you got, they had to do with these behavior that got you and you'd like for help in, in stopping smoking or stopping drinking or stop spending so much time on the computer, you know, 15 hours straight on the computer, during which time nothing good happens. And so you got all of these issues and all of these behaviors and it's you and it's me and, and we go to God and, and we present all our circumstances, all our situations, all our issues, and we present them to God and we say, Lord, could you fix it? preferably in this order, but could, I just want to line them all up and I want you to fix all of these circumstances that I have going on in my life. And I have to believe that when we do that with God, that God's answer is, nope. Like what? How in the world could you say such an unreligious, you're a preacher. How in the world could you say such an unreligious, non-spiritual thing? Well, I'll tell you why and how. Because I think that those requests, Lord, could you fix this and this and this and then this, that those requests are much too timid. They suffer from a complete misdiagnosis of what is really going on. And maybe worst of all, worst of all, they're not biblical enough. And, and I say all that because of what we glean from Paul, who, who in the correspondence section of the New Testament, Paul was a pastor and a missionary and an author. And he would go around, the, this is 20 or 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. And, and he would go around the Mediterranean world and he would start a church in a city and, and, and then and try to pour into them. And then he would leave and go on to his next preaching point. And he'd hear what was going on in the church that he just left. And, and, and usually he'd try to set them straight by writing them a letter. That's where all these letters come from. And one of the, one of the situations where this occurs is the ancient Greek city of Corinth. And the people who lived there were called Corinthians. That's why the letters in the New Testament are called 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Now, what you, it'd be like 1st and 2nd Charlatans. It's the same, exact same concept. Now, what you may not be aware of is the reason why there is a 1st Corinthians. To begin with, some of you know this, but a lot of you probably don't. But the reason there was a 1st Corinthians originally is because... There's a guy in that church having a very public affair with his stepmother. Some of you just kind of threw up a little bit in your coffee, didn't you? And, 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 and in, in the meantime, that same church 
where there's leaders having this public affair with his stepmother, that church is breaking its arm because it's patting itself on the back with such velocity for being so spiritual. So Paul has to write them a letter to address all this stuff that's going on. And that's why there is a 1 Corinthians. And do you know why there is a 2 Corinthians? Because 1 Corinthians didn't work. They didn't listen to him. They didn't like what he had to say. And so Paul has to circle back around and write them yet another letter. And in that letter, there had to be a handful of people in that church who recognized, yeah, we, we got some issues here. We got some circumstances. And yet as Paul's going along, going along in that letter, the second one to the church at Corinth, in the space of only a verse and a half, he absolutely debunks this thinking, the Lord, I need you to fix this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And, and it all gets its start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Marvelous verse. Take a look at what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It's so good to get to the right place. There we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and when it says in, in, in Christ, they're marvelous, marvelous phrase. When you're in Christ, it, it, is, it is not only trusting Jesus for your eternity, but it is depending on Jesus for every day in your history. When, when you're in Christ, so much different than, woo, I said that prayer that day. I know I'm going to heaven after I die. In Christ, includes that it builds from that you you no longer have to be working for god's approval not that you ever could anyway but you start living from it with his daily deep dependence jesus i need you for everything in my life that's what it means to be in christ therefore if anyone is in christ their life gets a whole lot better is that what it says it, therefore if anyone is in christ they have an upgrade is that what it says? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is absolute, there is a, a complete recreation. Oh, you're like, that's why you called this message recreate. Yes! If anyone is in Christ, they're not better they're not upgraded they are brand new and i just want you to note the the comprehensiveness of it the 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 totality of it that that, that paul says it to the corinthians and he says it to you and me as well that if we are in christ it's not just to make our life better it's not just to fix our situations there is an absolute newness there's an absolute death to what was before and 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 a renewing of what is now and so when i realize just how comprehensive it is when i when I see all that Paul didn't say, if anyone's in Christ, their life is better, they get an upgrade, there's some improvement. When you realize everything Paul doesn't say, man, you're blown away by what he does. And it leads to this inescapable conclusion, good shepherd, it's this. Jesus did not come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you. 
Yeah, you can do that. Jesus did not come to deal with this and this and this and give you a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit of self-improvement, a little bit of betterness in your life. No, he didn't come to make bad people good or good people better. He came to make dead people live. He, He came to make old people brand new. And there's not a single area of your life that is not influenced by it, that is not touched by it. So many of us, man, you, you think when, because we, we talked about issues, y'all remember like five minutes ago, you got issues, you can nod. And, and so many of you, when you think about the issues that you have, man, that relationship doesn't work and I got the behavior I can't control and that temper I keep losing. You think all these issues just keep happening to you. Instead of understanding that they stem from you. And Paul doesn't want to fix symptoms. He wants to fix the cause. That Jesus isn't just about the, what, what surrounds you. He's about dealing with the core that is in the middle of you. Jesus did not come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you, you know what it's like. You know what I'm talking about is like, it, it's kind of like this experiment that I'm getting ready to do. Let's say I've got this bowl. I've got my whisk. <laughs> Did you know a whisk? Everybody say whisk. A, a whisk costs $10.99. I was like, this is worth 75 cents max anyway. <laughs> so I got my bowl, I got my whisk, and I got my eggs. And, and, and I want to make my family a fabulous omelet one morning. This is just hypothetical, believe me. <laughs> so I get my eggs, I get my bowl, I get my whisk, and I, I crack the first egg open and oof. It is, it is obvious that is a, y'all can smell it on the front row, but it is obvious, this is a rotten egg. And, and, you know, it's like, there's a guy having an affair with his stepmother leading the church. It's that kind of, but you know, I, I realized, well, it's going to be a big omelet. Because I got, you know, I got, I got kids and their spouses and little grandbabies. It's got a big omelet. There's a lot of people around. So I don't want to waste that egg. I paid good money for that egg. And I want to be able to give more generously to church. And y'all were supposed to laugh at that. They laughed at (laughs) nine o'clock. And so I'm just going to cover it up. I got the rotten egg, but I got more eggs. There's egg number. Ooh, okay, that's better. I got more. And I've, I've now successfully covered up the rotten egg with a couple good ones. And I got my whisk. I'm going to make the good omelet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some pepper on it, put some bacon in it. Man, bacon can cover up anything, can't it? <laughs> and I'm going to, there's only one rotten egg here. And so I'm going to serve this omelet to the rest of my family. Well, well who would do that? No one who doesn't belong in jail. That, that's who, who would do that. Uh, of course, you... You can't cover up one rotten egg with a couple. You can't even cover up one rotten egg with bacon. Even bacon won't cover it up. When you got that rotten egg in the middle of that omelet, the whole thing stinks. 
And so the only solution is not to make this omelet better. I've got to ditch it all and start over new. And I, I just want you to know that you and you and you and every one of us, you got a rotten egg at the core. It is called your sinful nature. And some of you, sinful nature, wait. Hey, it, you had that cool band and y'all, y'all don't dress up. This seems like a modern church. Well, what are you doing using words like sin? Well, sin is an old fashioned word that never runs out of style. And you have a sinful nature at your core. And the greatest proof of it is your lack of awareness that it is there. And no amount of perfume, no amount of pepper, no amount of bacon can ever be the solution to that sin core that you have. The only solution, good shepherd, is Jesus. And that's what it's like. That Jesus didn't come to make us better. He didn't come for self-improvement. He didn't come for an upgrade. He came so that we would throw all the old stuff away and so that we would be made whole from the inside out. He did not come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you. And it does begin with the rotten egg that is at your center and at my center. And believe me, there is no other solution for that which plagues you. He did not come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you. Because here's something that I know. Every, every circumstance that you have, every situation that bedevils you, every behavior that you can't control is because there's not enough Jesus in your life. Either you don't have him at all or you have him as part of your arsenal. That Jesus is part of your life. Well, he's not satisfied being part of your, he is your life. And until he is the center around which all the other spokes of your life exist, your life will not go in the direction that it should. You will continue to have behaviors that you can't control and relationships that you can't keep and a sadness that you can't understand. Because at the end of the day, good shepherd, Jesus didn't come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you. And here's something else I know that you may not know. That everyone is speaking of those behaviors, you know, behaviors that you can't control, whether it's drinking or pornography or gambling or cutting. You don't have a drinking problem. You have a drinking solution. You don't have a porn problem. You have a porn solution. You don't have a gambling problem. You have a gambling solution. All those behaviors are this vain attempt, the vain solution to cover up what is really going on, which is at the core of it all. There is not enough Jesus in the center of your life because he didn't come to fix all your stuff. He came to fix you and when he makes you new you may still have that temper that you can't that you wrestle with you may still have that wayward child you may still have behaviors that you wrestle with but you from the inside out you will be new it's like that guy who, who was talking to me about his baptism he was getting ready to be baptized and and he just said the most interesting thing to me he he said he said i just want my old life washed away and i was like 
He didn't know I was giving this message a couple months later, but I was like, that is perfect. That'll preach. I just want my old life washed away. And I love it. He didn't want his old life made better. He wanted to start all over from the ground up and from the inside out. Jesus didn't come to fix your circumstances. He came to fix you. And I told you earlier that Paul was talking about a verse and a half. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And look at the second part of verse 18, please. What, what, what does Paul say there? All this is from God. All this is from God. See, the, the new creation, hello, you can't recreate you because you didn't create you to begin with. But because Jesus is the creator, through him all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Because of that, because he created you, he's the only one who can recreate you. All this is from God. God does for you what you could never do for yourself. In fact, this, this whole notion, everything I'm talking about is, is, is so much like freedom from white knuckling. Do you know what white knuckling is? White knuckling is when you got something going on in your life and you want to stop it and you just, I, I'm, I'm, I, it, with your effort, I, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my, I'm not going to get on the computer for 15 straight hours, I'm not going to get on the computer, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. You do that long enough, your knuckles do turn absolutely white. And white knuckling works until it doesn't. And this is all an invitation to move from white knuckling to white flagging where you surrender all to the Savior who gave all so that you could be made whole and healed all in all and all for all. Because Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You didn't come to fix my circumstances. You're way better than that. You came to fix me. And all that, Good Shepherd, is why we are so energized by this regeneration ministry that's getting ready to launch this, uh, on January the 30th, Tuesday night, January the 30th. The whole re-series is about this, in a nutshell, is about this. And, and we have trained leaders who've gone through months and months of training and months and months of soaking up these kind of truths so that we can pour into the lives of people who, because yeah, we, we want souls saved and we want you knowing your Bible and we want all that stuff, but we want you emotionally healed. We want you relationally healthy. And we believe in this season of this church's life, there's this divine intersection, this divine collision of, of our strategy for regeneration and, and God's Holy Spirit for what he wants to do among the people on this corner and beyond. And we're so energized by regeneration. We got a video we're gonna show you. And then, the, then when that's over, Ron Dozier's gonna show you exactly how you can join up with Regen Yourself. Check it out. Hi. 
I'm Brandy. Hi, my name is Andrew. My name is Lindsay. Hi, I'm Rob. I have a new life in Christ. I have a new life in Christ. And I'm recovering from alcoholism. My own marital infidelity. Anxiety. Anger. Overspending. Shame from my divorce. Addiction to pornography. Codependency. And I'm recovering from homosexuality. Past sexual abuse. And fear of abandonment. Hi, my name is Scott. My name is Teresa. I have a new life in Christ and I'm recovering from depression. Bitterness from unforgiveness. Guilt and shame from past abortion. Disordered eating. Drug addiction. Lust. Pride. Finding my significance and what I think people People think of me overeating insecurity selfishness not trusting God and shame before I came to recovery my life was hopeless full of secrets controlled by bitterness and anger it was a lie my life was defined by my sin my marriage was falling apart I was tired exhausted from losing the battle against my struggle with sin. My life was a disaster. Unmanageable. Full of chaos. Isolated. Self-centered. And had lost my way. I just didn't like the way that God had made me. Really just struggled with what people thought about me. My life was all about controlling others so that I couldn't be rejected. I sought pleasure in all the things that the world had to offer, uh, and uh, all those things left me empty. Before I came to recovery, my life was unmanageable and out of control. It was a bottle of insecurity. Filled with frustration, anger, and bitterness towards my husband. Way too focused on me, what I want, and what I think. I wasn't ready to give up and surrender what I'd worked so hard to control. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't finding any healing. My first night at recovery, I felt like I was unredeemable. I thought, how is this going to help me? No one could really understand how I felt. Terrified that I'd have to figure out how to live life sober. Completely defeated. I didn't want to see anybody, talk to anybody, have anybody acknowledge I was here. I wanted it to end really quickly. I felt weak, numb, dirty, like I had a spotlight on me. But I was amazed by everyone's courage. I felt a glimmer of hope because I knew I was among some other broken people. And I didn't have to hide my any longer. I was desperate for help. I didn't care what people thought anymore. I just wanted to be well. I shared things that I thought I would never tell anybody. I felt encouragement like there was hope. Relieved. I started to believe. I started to believe a new life was possible. When I heard story after story after story of how Christ showed up and changed everything. When I actually was able to forgive my husband. When I realized I was not alone in my struggles. Well, when I could see that my sin could be forgiven. Well, when I heard about God's grace. I started to believe that a new life was possible. When I acted in obedience to Christ and shared what had been done to me. When I saw God changing the lives of the other women in the group. When I realized how much I'd allowed my sin to define every single decision and behavior in my life. When I realized that God loved me, no matter what I had done. People didn't run screaming from the room. They put their arm around me and they walked with me through that part of the journey. When I heard that it wasn't about what I had done, but what Christ had done for me. When I realized that I didn't have to gain the approval of anyone, that God had already chosen me and he wasn't unaware of my struggles or my past. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. I now have joy. My life is now free from self-harm, peaceful, filled with hope. And meaningful. And I'm able to share that with people. Because of Christ, my life is now completely changed. Just because I know that God loves me regardless of what I do, my marriage is thriving. My life is no longer determined by circumstances. I'm free from the pain of the past. Free of the bondage of my addiction. I find my joy and my worth in Jesus Christ. There are times when I still struggle, but I have a group of men behind me that spur me on and encourage me. If I could tell you one thing. One thing. One thing. If I could tell you one thing tonight. It would be this. You are not alone. God loves you and he has plans for you. You haven't done anything that God cannot forgive. And that if he could save a wretch like me, he can save you too. Don't let fear hold you back from experiencing the freedom that Christ has for you. This is a safe place to work through the pain of your past. You're in the right place. And I'm so excited for you. Don't give up. Be here every time you can. It is worth your time. And be fully committed. His grace is sufficient. So bring him all of your struggles. There's recovery in Christ when life is broken because you matter to God.
God loves you.